I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode three of the No Encore podcast. Thank you for coming back to us. If you're a first-time listener, uh, let's get started. Colm O'Regan, say hello. Hello, how's it going? How are you, man? Not too bad, very well indeed. I'm also joined by our regular co-host, Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello, I'm back on the reg. On the reg. <laughs> yeah. I like it, I like it. Keep it and real. We are joined by a very special guest today. Uh, let, let's hear what he normally sounds like on the radio. The one o'clock rock report with Connor Irwin. It's Connor Irwin from Radio Nova. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for coming, man. Appreciate well, it. Yeah. It's I'll been take, a while. It has, and been I've taken time out of my hectic, hectic time off <laughs> to be here tonight. <laughs> There's <laughs> golf on. Which, which it's all happening. To coincide with the, the Masters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in my other guys, I am a sports journalist as well. So you know, in your other guys. Well, you know, jack of all trades, and as you've how many guys do you have <laughs> on the go? Hey, I've got a laminated list in my yeah, wallet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do we know Connor, guys? Well, it should be pointed out. Yeah, we we have been broadcasting with Connor for well between us, I guess, five years, something like that. Approaching that, yeah, on the Radio Nova Rock True. Report. Yes. The strangest thing about it is that I know personally, I've done probably close to 150 of them. Craig has done more than that. Yeah, and Dave probably 362. The same. And <laughs> two nine seven, and yet this is the first time we've ever broadcast with Connor from the same room. It's it very is strange. bizarre. Yeah, it's usually over. Yeah, it's, it's always over a phone, and sometimes that phone could be a home connection. Might not be great. Might be an office connection. Might be all right. But last you know. week I was standing on a windowsill because I live in a house where the walls are presumably like backed with lead. 
and you can't get a call through for love nor money. Do you, hear that, do you hear that, Craig? He lives in a house. Yeah, I know. He lives in a house. The, de- the decadence. <laughs> Did it bring a certain tension to the whole thing? Was there an urgency that normally you wouldn't have? Like from, from me trying to balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> perhaps. I'm not quite sure. It wasn't one of our classic broadcasts, I have to say, but it wasn't. By There's far. been a few. You know, it, it, it does beat Dave in his pajamas, uh, huddled under his duvet at yeah, various man. points. You know, it was for about three months. Wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> when you uh, when you quote unquote go free. Lance, um, it basically means that you're in bed in the morning when, when when that call comes in, and like you try and do that thing, the classic thing of somebody rings you and you're like, oh, f- you know, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be in bed. I'll just here's what I'll do. I'll put on a really obvious sunshine voice. It's all good, and you're like, hey man, how's it going? And inevitably, it's you're in bed, aren't you? Like, <laughs> yeah, like you can just you, you, you can't can shake tell. those cobwebs. So yeah, yeah, it was always it was always great crack getting getting uh, woken up to have to talk about you know, uh, Dave is 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 Morrissey coming back to town? And I'm like, no, uh, no, he's not. <laughs> I'm end, going, of end of broadcast. <laughs> I'm going back to bed. <laughs> it was efficient. It was informative. Yeah. It was groundbreaking. Uh, in I mean, its way. The, the high point was uh, ringing your landline the odd time and having your mum pick up. Uh, is like, Dave there? <laughs> <laughs> Did you put on your mum voice where you're just like, hello? My mother's an elderly ghost. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd like to point out... Shout that, out uh, to Dave's mum. I'd, I'd like to point out that I, I no longer live at home, listeners. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've taken account of my life. And I'm now a grown-up, so well. there. So there. Orderly cue, ladies. Um, <laughs> Craig, what was your favourite rock for? Was that the time when you were like, I'm, I'm Strad Bally in a field in a suit, Marty? Yeah, yeah, I think it was Electric Picnic, and I was trying to find a signal. It was a really bad idea to try and broadcast from Electric Picnic. And I think I just walk, walked into like some abandoned literary tent and tried to do some, I don't know, random chat about Gene Simmons, and it went well. I presume whoever was there thought you were doing some kind of impromptu spoken word beat poetry. Yeah, yeah. A kind of small crowd gathered around me and um, then promptly left after maybe 20 minutes. All right. I was off the phone about like 15 minutes, which I just kept looking. (laughs) It's <laughs> the sort of place a literary tent and electric picnic is Yeah, it really is I think um, mine was probably trying to go through um, Morrissey's uh, sex passages from his novel Oh dear Jesus, Jesus. that was awful That was truly terrible oh, no. I can just remember cracking up from about the kind of second sentence onwards Yet still holding it together for about two and a half minutes It was, it was a sight, uh, a sound to behold It was a wonderful day in broadcast journalism <laughs> And if we are nominated for some sort of award in the coming months uh, Yeah, that's probably the reason why Well, here's the question uh, You know, like, we might as well just do this Like, you've oh, shit. had lots of, you know, broadcast experience with us Who's your favourite, man? Uh, Roisin Oh, Roisin Dwar Pop Rest Fan Well, you all have your individual merits Uh, My my favourite moments with Dave Generally uh, come around Kiss Mm Mm-hmm would be you know <laughs> big, up there with your big fan, aren't big you? Gene yeah. Simmons. Gene action. Simmons, our Kiss Corner. Kiss Corner was, uh, which I believe you've spoken about before on this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we're, we're bringing it back. Um, I might be off Nova, but I'm, but I'll never, I'll never. Get has it off there back. been much like Kiss content since he left? Not a hell of a lot, I have to say. With a, content with a K. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, uh, Kiss of course content with a K. <laughs> Sponsored and also you know branded content yeah. that would be. <laughs> Uh, generally with Craig, it was uh, it was all about the Libertines or Pete Doherty or something. I don't think like so. That, well, that maybe, you know, yeah. it was when he came was alive, testing the boundaries of what Nova was putting out. It was you know how often it was did like you, the whole uh, punk movement that was you know how often did you get the phrase "I peaked at 19? <laughs> <laughs> Never descended to that level of kind of wistfulness. I don't think close though. Sometimes. And and generally, the best moments with Colm are you know all the other bits actually because you know his. 
his general demeanor is just so much more professional than you two guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's a professional broadcaster. Some would say some would say that you can't think of one specific one, but you know. well, I can think of all of the specifics in that Colm has this wonderful way of speaking in sound bites, which is so much easier than when talking to Dave from under his duvet and he rambles for <laughs> my, four and a half minutes. And my, my safe space. I have two minutes. My this. safe space. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like let, let's move on. And I feel like that question backfired on Dave there. I was keeping well out. I'm just like, no, it's Colm. This will all just be edited out. It's right. <laughs> it doesn't go the way I want it to go. You've got your own podcast yeah, now. It doesn't matter. Like, it's all just, behind you. That horrific time with Nova is over. It was a, it was a time it was a time of the season, um, so I, here's what we're going to do. Uh, Craig and I went to a gig, and then Cullum and Connor went to the same gig, not the same gig that we went to, but the same gig that they went to, but not mm. together. So it's, it's all very confusing. We went to a good one. We went to a really good one. <laughs> uh, we went to see Girl Band, didn't we, Craig? We didn't eat yet. They were great. Um, it was a very good gig. Now you know they started with a cover. Big no no. Lost the crowd a bit. No, not really. Uh, I think everyone was excited for a long time about it. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about would the band come back and they've had their own issues that they've been dealing with. Um, gigs were cancelled. And it seemed like a bit of a moment, didn't it, in Vicar Street? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was. I didn't really know what to expect. I was absolutely wrecked going in and I was kind of like, oh man, I'm really not in the mood for a gig. I hope this kind of wakes me up in a bit. A bit. Bunch of pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was green when I came. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where am I, man? Uh, what's a girl band? But uh, yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, pretty much two minutes into their opening song, which, as you said, was a cover of "Why They Hide the Bodies Under My Garage." So usually finish with or the, close enough yeah, to the yeah, end yeah. of their set. I thought it was actually um, a smart move. It, it was. Yeah. Usually got the crowd on the side. Um, it was interesting because I was talking to a hardcore girl band fan afterwards, and he was kind of saying, "He's like, what did you think?" And I was like, "Well, I thought it was very interesting because you know, obviously it's Vicker Street. Um, it's the biggest stage they played on. Yeah, and Vicker Street's kind of like a bare backdrop. Like, and girl band are hardly going to bring like you know some kind of a set you know with them. So I thought it was interesting because like it's a big stage. They were kind of all spread out. All like you know, all four of them were kind of spread out and. It didn't need any kind of pomp and circumstance. I thought they they like they just kind of stood there and played. They did the thing, yeah, but they filled the room. As yeah, you, totally. um, yeah, and everyone kind of really got into it. It was like this unrelenting set, um, and it got quite physical. I think it got very <laughs> the physical audience yeah. as well. There it was, was a weird audience. I thought. Yeah, I had my big bag on and like half a suit, so I was just like, "Stay away from me with your spilling drinks and your I'm eager rowdiness." To know which, which half a suit <laughs> yeah. and, and what was in the half that was missing? It was actually a third <laughs> of the, the suit. Other I was just wearing going. a waistcoat. That was it. <laughs> Uh, Circle Pits pretty much started all over the place uh, in front of us. And yeah, it, it felt very much like, you know, old man shouts at cloud at points. And I, I couldn't get involved. I'm not 19 anymore. Yeah, there you go. There it is. He, when he peaked. Peaked at 19, everybody. <laughs> peaked at 19. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was, it was great. Um, I didn't get involved in Circle Pits either because those days are over. Um, it was a weird crowd, though. I thought it was like a lot of, you know, kind of obvious metal enthusiasts and some preppy dickheads here Do you and think there. people were just there to say they were there? Was there a bit of that? There was definitely a bit of that. Um, I saw is a few... What every gig Everyone does now, well, yeah. this it's one become that, yeah. I think, you know, was kind of like the hottest ticket in town for hipsters. Mm. And, you know, it was... What it, night was it on? Friday. Friday. Okay. I, I, for an hour. I saw one Instagram photo that was like of girl band on stage and goes, that Friday feeling with girl band. It's like, really not that kind of band. No. That Friday feeling. <laughs> not at all, <laughs> so, yeah. no. And I mean, like, it's interesting to watch kind of the front man, Derek Healy, on stage and his mannerisms. Uh, he very much taps into... Some kind of potentially heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. he does indeed. Uh, never he went to school with me, actually. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, I okay. think it was maybe two years, either above or below me. I believe his brother, Robin, is uh, doing PR for Ryanair now. 
Hmm. Wow. Well, okay. Go. Shout out to Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Reiner. Sponsored by. So, <laughs> somehow I don't see Girl Van being on the Reiner playlist anytime soon. No. Doubt it. <laughs> Although, if they are, we know, we what's, know what's happening. Going on. <laughs> <laughs> we know what that happened. Uh, yeah, I thought it was an excellent gig. Um, they played for an hour. I, as usual, you hear people going, well, that's it. And it's like, well, they've gone through the majority of their material. Um, um, everyone knew the material was great, kind of lots of crowd favourites, but um, it was all well received and it was, a, you know, it was a perfect point to end it. I kind of prefer those shorter gigs I always do. Me too, kind me of too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was missing one thing though. If I, have to, if I have to be brutally honest here, it was missing just one thing. And what it was missing was, was a particular dissenting voice. And that dissenting <laughs> voice belongs to Cullum O'Regan. That's me. Uh, I'm not a fan of girl band. We've discussed this before. To be fair, it's, it's past the point where no, it's past the Art. point where I have any like bad feeling or animosity toward any. You did you at one so stage? You did yeah. No, no, I guess I had animosity towards the movement because, like you say, it became the sort of you know flavor of the week for hipsters. And where you couldn't be seen to kind of not be into them. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. At, at which level I was kind of waving, just going, I don't like them. They're not for me. At this stage, though, and, you know, I mean, like, there's a lot of good to be said. I mean, not only about, you know, like, what they're doing, which they're clearly nailing, and not just at a local level, but international success as well. But they're getting people interested and enthused about music that perhaps was a little bit under the radar in Dublin and in Ireland before this. So, you know, good on them. And, uh, yeah, and of course, as well, having seen, you know, them have a couple of issues over the past while, as you said, um... It's good to see them back back on stage, and uh, hopefully, um, it's it's kind of you know go from strength to strength. From here that's on a out. that's a politician's answer, if ever. It really ever was, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, in the near future, they'll. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I, I would like though, I, I wish Cullum had been there because I picnic when we saw them. Cullum turned to me at one point and went, "Nah, nah, don't get it. Nope." Yeah, and and you see that you exactly, don't get it. You don't. That's get exactly it. it. I, I gave it a shot. I went to a gig, and I was just not for me. Um, but what was for you last week? Well, I'm not sure if it was for me either, but uh, Connor and I were both at Muse at Three Arena the other night. Um, I heard they killed it. Well, Everyone said that they killed it. Yeah, no, Did sure. they blow the roof off? They're killing it. <laughs> They're killing it on that stage. The production was insane. Spectacular. It was. and I, I mean, it was the probably the best show that I've been to, and I use that word specifically for a reason. Since Cats. It was the best show <laughs> That I've been to. Where? Ever. Ever. Well, yeah, no, so yeah. Just, just to set the scene for anyone who hasn't seen photos or anything like that, it was in the round. So you had a stage in the centre of the three area on the floor, surrounded on all sides. Um, a stage which sporadically rotated and then had a massive gangway going either end of uh, Two the three arrows. arena. Okay. Yeah, so um, which, which did have a funny moment at one stage where obviously, you know, in most arenas where you have stands on all four sides, that would lead towards, you know, the side stand, as it were, and yeah. you could look up their crowd there. Matt Bellamy went all the way to the end of one of the runways at one stage and was, like, in danger of falling into the bar yeah. that's in the side <laughs> yeah. of the three arena. But it was incredible. Yeah. Now, was, what I about mean, the music? <laughs> well, no, I mean, this is the thing with Muse these days, and it, it's it's not it's actually not specific to now with Muse, but I, I, I'm unapologetically a fan of Muse, I have to say. And the thing about them is that when you go to a Muse gig, you're going to a show, not a gig. And there's a distinct line, I think, that needs to be drawn there. Um, for you guys going to girl band, that's a that's a proper gig. You're in. Yeah. There's no frills to speak of. Um, when you go to Muse, you don't expect crowd interaction. 
because that's just not going to happen. Um, and what you do get specifically and particularly on this tour is an incredible production. Uh, everyone knows Muse are flawless live. It almost is worrying how much of a CD it's uh, it like or yeah. you know whatever. But it, it, the thing about it is, you go there and you get what we got was six drones flying around the stage, a giant spaceship at one point, and the most spectacular moment of it was when uh, Chris and uh, Matt were on either end on the arrows and drapes come down and there's a projection of two hands with puppet strings on them and perfectly kind of engineered playing of the puppets. Uh, which, yeah, I can hear you just yeah. like, contrive. It doesn't, Very spinal it, it, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound as, as cringeworthy as that infamous photograph of like Bono holding the edge in the palm of his hand from the time they hit three arena recently. It sounds like it's the same kind of pageantry. Imagine discussions it, around it, it that. Was pretty oh, much, so, it was, it, that was so exactly edge, um, what was I've in got my this mind. idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to literally hold you in the palm of my... What? <laughs> <laughs> It's in the contract. Seriously, right, uh, right, look up look up that photograph. It's one of the most fucking embarrassing things I've ever seen. Uh, and but here's the thing, uh, Muse. I used to be huge into them. I've seen them twice. Both times they were excellent. Yeah. Particularly the first time I was a bigger fan. They've kind of lost me with the last few albums. Uh, but live, yeah, they're they're terrific. And, yeah, I've and, actually uh, seen them as well, and they are very good. And so U2 as well. It wouldn't be a band yeah. that I would love, but obviously live. I mean, I, I think U2 is a band that everyone should go and see at least once. And I think Absolutely. Muse, and I, and I put Muse in the exact same bracket. Mm. I did find myself this year being like, oh yeah, Muse are playing. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to bother. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I've done it. It's grand. I literally bought a jacket once, uh, or, a, or a zippy or something. something so like not that. a t-shirt. Not a t-shirt, yeah. So yeah. you haven't been there, done that, and I haven't done that, yeah. A friend of mine bought a t-shirt, though, so, you know, good for him. Um, Get him on the pot. But overall... <laughs> Yeah, um, I would. I have no problem with anybody having, you know, like 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 you're kind of qualifying it there. You're kind of saying, well, look, you know, it's a big stage show. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's totally what they want to do. I think musically that they've, you know, they've pretty much completed the journey up their own arse. But I think overall, you know, they're entitled to do that. They want to, you know, ape Queen. They want to be massive kind of stage guys, and they appear to be doing it incredibly well. The other thing though is that you know, if, if musically they've, you know, finished the journey up their own arse, as you say. Uh, it, it's kind of going a little that way in terms of the stage show as well. As impressive as it all is, it's like irony is checked at the door. Yeah. And it's, you know, like you have a drone flying around because, you know, drones. <laughs> <laughs> but have you heard that album in its entirety? It's just ridiculous, the concept. like, And that's... It's lyrically atrocious, whereas before it was just kind of vague enough that you could just put yeah. that to one side and enjoy the kind of heavy riffage. Now it's just this really kind You're of... You're being beaten over the head with the hammer yeah. of obviousness. Yeah. And that's <laughs> What a lot of this set consisted of, obviously, was songs from that album. It's the show itself is obviously massive, self-referential. Um, An album they, that wasn't well received, by the way. So when those tracks were on, was that a case of people just going to the bar? A no, little actually. bit. Well, you know what? You see, the thing is, well, okay, I went to the bar. Sorry. Yeah. Um, the thing, the thing is, <laughs> were you standing or sitting? By the way, I was sitting. Um, yeah. Now, a good ones like kind of second row of the balcony. Okay, but mm, not that. Not that I yeah. feel there would have been a bad seat in the yeah. house at this particular show. But um, no, people weren't just switching off when the new songs came on, if if for no other reason than the kind of production and the theatrics of it all kind of helped it stand on. On the last episode, you said you were going to go see Lucius on that night, so, you know, you lied. 
Um, how you know did, was it Craven? Right? Yeah, gutless. Craven and gutless. Uh, was it a decent substitute? Were you kind of like, yeah, you know, this was worth it. This was worth going to. No, it, it was worth going to. Yeah, if if for nothing else than the production values and stuff like that. Yeah, it was really really impressive. They did a decent long set as well. I think I, they I, did. Yeah, I think it was probably like twenty tracks or something yeah. like that. Eighteen maybe if you take out the sort of like bits and pieces. It was probably the guts of two hours maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that in itself is impressive to put on a show like that for that length of time is impressive. Yeah, yeah. it was. It wasn't like there was a sort of a fifteen minute break for a few acoustic numbers or anything yeah. like that. You know, it was pretty balls to the wall for the whole thing. Well, that sounds pretty definitive to me. I think you know we have to say gig of the week, girl band. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Although I think Matt Bellamy will be the person we look back on as like this prophet who's just like he got it all right. They mm. there were drones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's doubting that bit. <laughs> yeah, somehow. evil drones. Okay, well we move from one self-referential uh, act to another. The ultimate in self-reference, I think. Uh, Taylor Swift Yay. is going to receive a Taylor Swift award. Congratulations, Taylor Swift. Sick of her. Set to become the first artist to receive the Taylor Swift award. I, uh, all I can think of right now is Father Ted explaining that the last raffle he went to, the guy who organised the raffle, actually won the raffle. Um, yeah. Now, thankfully, it isn't Taylor Swift actually giving the award away itself. Uh, it's the Broadcast Music Inc., Apparently, which sounds like an evil global conglomerate, <laughs> it does, really, yeah. doesn't it? Like, it also sounds like her mother made it up. <laughs> it's a little bit. Well, no, we we do I, have the name of a, a, a purportedly real person. Well, hang on, hang on, Barbara Kane. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. This will take place in Beverly Hills. Another Father Ted reference uh, on Tuesday, the tenth of May. The 64th annual ceremony. I've never heard of this. Yeah, I think they're like the US equivalent of like Irma. Okay. Like that's the kind of, yeah, they represent so it's real industry and stuff. It's yeah, you industry. wouldn't have heard of it. It's not, probably not going to be broadcast anywhere. Um, it's only the second time in their 76-year history that the company has spent an award in someone's name with the first presented to... Connor, if you haven't read ahead... Michael Jackson. He's read ahead. Yes, In what has. year? 1990, I believe. <laughs> he's really he can read. read. Yeah. Yeah. Like, th- this guy's going to go I, for I said that without even looking at the notes. Uh, like, when you're following Michael Jackson, I mean, wow. Second time it's happened, first time in 26 years, Michael Jackson being the last one, begs the question, why isn't there one on a more regular basis? And, you know, does it mean anything? Well, yeah, does it mean anything is the real question here. And more to the point, does it mean that Taylor Swift is at a level that is in any way comparable uh, to Michael Jackson. She's the queen of pop. She is. That's Beyonce, isn't it? I believe. Well, no. It, it's a much disputed title, that one. Beyonce is the belt trades every kind of couple of fights, yeah. yeah. Beyonce is the queen of R&B and social commentary. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought that, that was, was you. <laughs> Let's not do it. <laughs> I also, I also feel that we Beyond- had complaints, Connor. Kanye. I do feel uh, though that Beyonce. I mean, would if be you far harder to sign up, we'll get there to attend an event, Probably. like this, than Taylor Swift um, would. But these are the awards that last year they gave Pink a President's Award. So I don't know how much you can read into, you know, the overall. What country is she the president on. of now? <laughs> I don't know, Liechtenstein. Oh, cool. Yeah. But then as well, she topped the US charts. So what do you know? What do, do I know? know? What do you know, Greg? I right? do love this uh, quote from Barbara Kane, though. Read it, it out. Pretty spectacular. Taylor Swift has transformed pop culture through her songs, artistry, and indomitable spirit. Yeah, she's a regular Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, I'm as much of an advocate for Taylor Swift as you three. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly Colm, I have to say. But, you know, like... There is also the thought that Taylor Swift is absolutely everything that's wrong with pop culture at the moment. Yeah. Go on. Well, in that, she is so contrived and so made up and so fascist in a certain way 
that there is a weird fascism thing going on. It, like say. it's it, it's astonishing how anyone can get away from it. Yeah, you can't get away mm. from it at all. Uh, I've said that there should be a trademark symbol next to her name. Mm. Uh, I quite like some of the tunes. I know Craig, you've you haven't warmed to shake it off, have you? You just haven't. No, I've liked like some of the covers, songs, but um, um, <laughs> no, I do actually like that record overall. Uh, she's got some great songs, she but does. she just seems As like she a dreadful for person. Her, for someone who's in her position, but, but the, <laughs> the whole—you mentioned kind of fascist there—and I was thinking, oh, geez, that's a big word. But then again, I mean, like you know, I've heard reports from that gig that you went to last year, Colum, and like one of the big parts of it was she has like a she has like a video thing of like people like Selena Gomez mm-hmm. and Carly Kloss, Adolf Car- Hitler, Car- <laughs> Cara Delevingne, uh, Joseph Goebbels, uh, like popping up and being like, oh, Taylor's ta- Taylor's great—is that his name? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my history. And people being like. Taylor a girl by the way <laughs> being like Taylor, Taylor Swift is amazing and like you know like isn't she great and you're just kind of like what's the point of that no it, it is a, that was a bit odd I have to say that that particular segment um, she, like she is whiter than white and she is incredibly perfect the thing is she, <laughs> okay end, end sentence <laughs> no, no, no 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 but, but in, in terms of always saying the right thing as you say kind of being this just public relations dream basically and quite possibly the the brainchild of a room full of marketeers and so on and so forth Kim Jong-un I'm I don't know you see like here's the thing I am inclined for as long as she keeps the charade up or indeed if it's a charade that for as long as she's like that I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt you're willing to put up with Taylor Swift I don't think you hear that Taylor what happens when it all falls apart like say Michael Jackson well then you (laughs) okay well honestly at that point then I think everything that Taylor Swift's done sort of becomes called into question as it were I think you'll be there to catch her when she falls yeah Uh, there might be a lyric from her next song it does sound like one can I just say for legal reasons it's not going to all fall apart like Michael Jackson (laughs) most definitely specifically (laughs) Craig Craig was making an overall statement about you know music and how people can fall from it grace. It was a metaphor. Yes. Yeah. But uh, hey, if, if it does happen like that, we can blame this award. <laughs> it's obviously cursed. This is clearly what, what, what elevated her to that level. No, but I mean, okay, so like we, we were going to talk about another uh, of the week's like rather more strange uh, events, which was the Smiths setting up a Twitter account. I like how you're immediately running from this Taylor Swift issue. No, 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 I like it because it, it's the perfect example of where like so, sorry, to give people background, if they haven't seen it, basically, it seems the Warner Brothers in France set up uh, an account, the Smiths Official, or something along those lines. To celebrate the band, essentially. Very quickly, Morris. Yeah, go Yeah, ahead. very quickly, Morrissey came out and said, you know, it's got nothing to do with me, follow at your peril, which, <laughs> which is sinister for a Twitter account. But for a Game of Thrones esque line there. Yeah, Morrissey. but essentially, like head over to truetoyou.com for more information. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's probably just going to be advertising, you know, a, a reissue that should be due for this summer. Um, you know, it, it's kind of just going to be a place for fans looking at uh, what, what's happening with the re-release of The Queen Is Dead. I think, but it's an example of where the record company has sort of stepped in to do all the promotion and stuff like that because they know the act isn't going to do it. Yeah, and because mm-hmm. they know that. You know, having Morrissey quotes or even Johnny Marr at some point isn't going to sell this record. And, and the Queen is dead is thirty years old this year. Yes, yeah, thirty years yeah. old in June. And are tweets going to sell it though? Who knows? I can't wait for this Mister again to start putting in like fire emojis. And yeah, 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 the cry laugh. 
There is there is a chicken wing emoji in there, isn't there? Now that Morrissey just won't be happy with Jesus it all. Christ. But we had we had this thing two years ago when Morrissey apparently set up a Twitter account, didn't we? And, and then it, it turned out, yeah, yeah, it just vanished. So it didn't even turn out to be his record label at the time. Yeah. Um. He quickly issued a very similar statement where he was kind of witheringly just like, "I'll never go near Twitter. It's got nothing to do with me. Don't go near it or do if you want. Who cares? Essentially. Um. So he just seems very, you know, sure of his stance of he doesn't want much dealings with the internet. He's a bit prince-like. He, you know, true to you is obviously his vessel for getting his missives out. Um, and he's also sure in his stance that the Smiths aren't happening again. So it seems like a bit of a non-story. He does yeah. seem to be a happier bloke these days, if that is possible with Marcy. Like he was, he was, he he's was, mellowing he was pulling slightly. points. He was pulling points yeah, in the Thomas yeah, House there yeah. uh, recently. One that is Boz's haunt, isn't it? Uh, I believe it is so, indeed, yeah. yeah. Uh, he uh, likes Dublin. He's a, he's a big fan. He lived he here for a good while. He did, mm-hmm. yeah. There's, um, there's some Marcy trivia. Uh, <laughs> for everyone. 30 seconds of Marcy. Everyone, everyone to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, as you say, it's a non-story. Uh, and I kind of felt like it would be. When it popped up, I was kind of like, you know, I was like, uh, confirmation that this is nothing in five. You know, four. Yeah, yeah there you go. But uh, there have been some other stories. Some, yeah, well, some sinister stories. Well, yeah, to be honest, no, this probably seems like it's going to be a non-story as well, but at least it caught our <laughs> attention a little more, which was uh, Suge Knight saying that Dr. Dre was behind uh, a shooting two years ago, tried to have him knocked off. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure, Craig, you were defending the virtue of Dr. Dre in this podcast recently, <laughs> and I guess the fates have answered. I was defending the virtue of his music, um, and I also think I said, he's probably a stand-up guy these days after a shady past, but even when he was like an absolute... Rick back in the day he still didn't really compare to Suge Knight I don't think he's just the most kind of cartoonish villain in music I think um, lots of rumours about him that we won't go into for legal reasons nothing to do with Taylor Swift either no we um, <laughs> we can go into the confirmed like so he's currently actually in custody uh, this is Suge Knight not Dr. Dre yeah. yes yeah. Suge, Suge <laughs> Knight and since January 2015 uh, charged with murder and alleged hit and run um, but this is dating back to uh, an incident uh, in 2014 when he was shot multiple times uh, at a pre-VMA party that Chris Brown was hosting, actually. Oh, what could, dodgy what one could possibly yeah. go wrong? Well, no, forget Had what it co- coming? Had it coming? No, forget <laughs> what could possibly go wrong at Chris Brown's VMA party, all right? This is the bit that really gets me. Suge Knight had previously been shot at a pre-VMA party in 2005. Oh, I thought you meant that night. No, I was just like, no, wow, no, what a true no, I'm two- still going, guys. I'm <laughs> still going. It was in 2005. That one, as it happens, was hosted by Kanye West. But you've got to ask, at what point do you just say, fuck it, I'm not going to the VMAs Stay anymore. in, watch or at least, it on TV. Or at, least, or at least, like, pre-drinking. Like, you know, you don't need to pre-drink every time you go out. You know, like, sometimes it, like, it's, it's not even... Maybe this. he was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I mean, Maybe he was like, apparently, I feel like someone's out to get me. Yeah. I'll I have mean, a couple, take the edge off. Oh, yeah. Is that a gun? If I got shot at your birthday the next year, I would definitely be like, maybe, maybe not, mate. Meet you for a belated point a week later or something. Yeah. You know, have a good one. But here's the thing: what's the motive for Dr. Dre? I mean, he's on top of the world. He's like a, the first billionaire in rap. He doesn't have any dealings with Chug Nice. Uh, he can't really like the, their worlds don't intersect anymore whatsoever. So maybe why a, would you go to such a risk? To, maybe it's a Hannibal thing, a Hannibal Lecter thing, just to see what happens. Yeah, maybe. You know? Still wine, seen peop- it. wine people. Would you watch that show? I'll check it out, Connor. You're a fan. Animal, love it. Yeah. Great I show. I'm so bloody disappointed that it's gone. Oh man, don't 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 get me started. I mean, like at least it had an ending, you know. And we got three it great is. seasons. Uh, Maz Mikkelsen is the king. It's a wonderful piece of television, Craig. Yeah, for the love of God, I'll check it out. I mean, how many times have you rewatched the OC? <laughs> and not watched? I haven't rewatched the OC in about a year and a half. Oh well, so. fair so play. I'm you. due. You, you must be. You must I'll be get to withdrawal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get to Hannibal. 
But yeah, from uh, so I, I don't know. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. <laughs> That's very aggressive. Just, just a handle, just, just a like an it. Um, yeah, I think the most uh, amusing part, because let's face it, it's not actually a very joyous story. Um, the best part of this Suge Knight thing is, is the name of his lawyer. Mm. Oh, this is so good. Thaddeus yeah. Culpepper. Thaddeus Culpepper. What's even better is the second that I saw his lawyer's name, I thought he probably played college football, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, yeah, after, and it took a while, to be honest, to find it. But yeah, uh, four years at the University of Pittsburgh. Fair play to Position? Cornerback. Nice. <laughs> but this nice. is the thing. I mean, like, uh, Cullen has mentioned on the podcast, Ray, that he's a very much a sports enthusiast, American sports enthusiast in particular. And we have been regaled on many wonderful occasions uh, to some of the monikers that are prevalent in the sport of American football. And... I guess this was a good opportunity as any for Cullum to bring in the top 10 most ridiculous names in American football. Nice. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I'm Hit gonna, the music. I'm not sure exactly what order I'm going to manage I'll these I'll do a in. countdown. Come on, just make I'll, it up. I'll, I'm going to try <laughs> to put 10. these in order. I just don't know we what's can guess. Jay- <laughs> 10. Put our extensive knowledge. Of, these, <laughs> are all, the these are all current NFL players, by the way. That was the, the rule that I made for myself. And honourable <laughs> mentions have to go to anybody who gets a title as their first name. <laughs> so uh, the likes of King Dunlap or Prince Sakamura or Captain Munerlin. Uh, I like well that. done Captain's all, good. but uh, no. To get into the top, <laughs> well then you need something all. really play really, really enjoyed quality. by all. Fantastic. Yeah, um, we all have who? A, a number, What's the surname at of all? Number, at number ten, we're going for a fuzzy Whitaker. Nice, yes. nice, solid. Good, good, solid start. Cleveland Browns or number nine? <laughs> we've got Whitney Merciless. <laughs> Merciless. <laughs> at, awesome. at number eight, and no, go back, go back, go back. Give me that one again. Whitney Merciless. That's, that sounds like a Bond villain. It's a beautiful juxtaposition. It sounds like a headline well, from the like girl's Houston first Dog. name yeah. <laughs> and the scariest surname in history. Whitney Merciless. Yeah, you, at number eight, and it's partially because of the nickname that he gets out the back of it, but uh, it's it's Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, uh, who's known as the law firm. Obviously. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, at number seven, I've got uh, Jacquees Rogers. <laughs> at Please. six, I've got Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> At number five, I've got McLeod Bethel Thompson. We all know one of them. Scottish heritage. At number four, we've got Ishmaeli Kitchen. My favourite type of kitchen. At three, I've got <laughs> Ha Ha Clinton Dicks. <laughs> ha Ha. Ha Ha. One for me. Ha Ha Clinton Dicks. Ha Ha Clinton Dicks. Yeah, he's a cornerback out of Alabama now playing at Green Bay. Mm. At number two. Written on bathrooms uh, all over the country. At number two, <laughs> and perhaps the name of my firstborn, DeBrickashaw Ferguson. Yes. DeBrickashaw. DeBrickashaw, yeah. Well, DeBrickashaw. I was wondering, I was, I was like, where is he? Where is he? And if, number, if, number one, if number one isn't what I think it is, there is only one man that can go to number one Barkevius Mingo. Yay! Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Barkevius Mingo uh, was about to be named Kevius until uh, his mother, Barbara, decided uh, to pop the first. Uh, Syllable of her Christian name on there, so uh, he became Barkevius. His dad, Hugh, had the same (laughs) idea. (laughs) No, what's better? His dad, Hugh, had the same idea when naming his brother, so he's now named (laughs) Hugh Tavius. (laughs) What the hell went wrong in that family? Oh, man, I'm actually... actually Sounds like a Transformer, that one. I'm in tears, man, I'm in tears. Okay, uh, I need to take a break. We're going to take a break with uh, the song of the week. The song of the week this week. uh, It actually, it came out about 20 minutes after we left the studio last week, so, uh, you know, fair enough. Here we go. This is Tree of Life by Funeral Suits. (laughs) 
Stop me. We got all of this. 
Okay, hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, that was that was Funeral Suits with Tree of Life. Guys, give me your thoughts. I really liked it. Um, big fan of the band. Um, it's been a while since we got material from them. Uh, it so, has? Yeah, it's a couple of years, well, a couple of years, four years since the debut album. Um, a Thousand Days, I believe, is what they're putting out there. The yeah, uh, the press release, which I have right in front of me here, says, The 1,000 Days in Between has seen the popularity of the band grow as their videos, Strange Emissaries of Nightmarish Dread, have seeped into the consciousness of millions of music fans from Mexico to Milan to Minneapolis. That is some strong alliteration by the uh, press release. It's good, isn't it? it? Is, uh, really these sly cinematic increments, led by the terrifying All Those Friendly People, which, by the way, has 13 million views on YouTube. That's incredible. And I don't think it was used in anything. I don't think it was actually in the end credits to like a big show or anything. It seems amazing. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Great 13 song. million. Uh, all these friendly people um, enable the band to tour Europe and the US before they reconvene to start writing again in the UK or on the Sweden at the end of 2014. They spent much of summer 2015 in Germany in a studio. Uh, long story short, they have been working incredibly hard on this record and they've been touring pretty much the same set for yeah. the last few years. And, you know, anytime I've spoken to any of them, Basically, the message is, we're desperate to play new material. The new material is going to be worth the wait. Uh, Nyler 9 today, I think when he was rounding up his like they gave his track of the week, and he was kind of saying that they're moving away from the indie rock spectrum into a more 80s, kind of Tears for Fears, Peter Gabriel saying, which I think you can hear on that track. Um, Certainly, yeah. Big Pop, uh, which you know is obviously very in right now, but I don't, I don't think that they're writing to do that. I think like this is de- this is a natural evolution of no. The, I, the I, I think there's also sort of a, a moodiness to it, the kind of epic swell of the whole thing very much so yeah. kind of animal collective vibe to me just in the bounce of it uh but yeah it's very easy to kind of get caught up in a lovely flow to it yeah i really like i really like the lyrics as well and i I think they've done an interesting thing there where the lyrics can veer from just kind of straightforward a summation of your average day as a human being and into kind of bigger themes and ideas i think that there's kind of like some existentialism in there but it's all wrapped in you know, a very kind of attractive pop package, and not in, not a million miles away from last week's song of the week, which was "Le" uh, beneath the concrete. Yeah, um, and that album's been getting good reviews as well. I've just seen this week uh, a couple of four star ones, so we'll have to check that out. Yeah, well, that's Funeral Suits. The re- the record will be released later in the year. There's no title or date as of now, and that's Tree of Life, and absolutely worth the wait. Now, obviously, we've all done our interviews in our time, and. Uh, you know, getting a few tips when you're starting out doesn't hurt, right? Absolutely, man. What would you, what advice would you give to someone who's going to do their first ever interview tomorrow? Oh, keep it light. Try to make it a conversation rather than a kind of a Q&A grilling. Depends who you're interviewing, I suppose. If you're doing a politician, grill them. If right. you're having a chat with a guitarist, you know. Grill them. <laughs> well, no, I'll never forget. About politics. I'll, I'll never forget someone's review of Liverpool TV when I think it was like, you know, Phil Babb was guest hosting a show. And they just didn't ask him the tough questions? Or? No, they, they said like he has a list of questions and by God he's going to get through it. Yeah, because yeah. the answer could have implied a sort of a murder, cover-up, bodies buried beneath the cop at Anfield and his next question would still have been, what was it like playing with Alan Hansen? <laughs> <laughs> I love that Don't style. do that. But that style is actually quite common. You see it amongst even kind of big name chat show hosts where it's like they are going to they're gonna get these questions out like you know, and there's no room to breathe. Room to breathe is always a good thing. But then again, every now and then, you might not have that room. There might be even limitations posed upon you. Well, Inside the Actor's Studio is the perfect example of all this for anyone who has watched it. 
where um, you just have set questions. You have set questions. That works really well because they know going into it the format of it and I suppose there is room to breed in that because I guess also, also actors are amazing for interviews because their job is just to talk and they very much like talking about themselves. Musicians can be a lot different, I, I find. A lot yeah. of them don't want to open up about the music. It's tough to talk about music a lot of the time so sometimes you need a little guidance. Is, uh, is Inside the Actor Studio still going by the way? No, um, I'm not sure there so. are any James new Lipton. James, James, James Lipton, Lipton is yeah. a fascinating host. I he recall a pimp or something. Yeah, he was a pimp. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I I recall him interviewing Tom Hanks once, and you know, there's so much gravitas and pomposity on that show. Yeah. Uh, like, so he's talking to Tom Hanks, and he's like, "Now, Tom, um, then you bounced back with a fantastic, uh, immersive comedy. Tell us about." Splash, <laughs> and it's like, come on, man! Not everything you've done is 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 worthy of such. I think even Tom Hanks was like, oh, really? Splash? Okay. He is guilty of that for literally every actor he gets on. It's just well, every, no matter what they've crap they've put out, he will kind of find the the gold in it. Yeah, and however, on that note, there is a, a wonderful interview technique that that employs, which is putting somebody incredibly at their ease. And once you we wouldn't do know that, that, that no. stars, then, <laughs> how are you feeling right now? Uh, pretty at ease. <laughs> it's working. Well, if you ever have to interview Will, I am, and I hope God willing, we will. There are <laughs> us in this room. <laughs> there are certain things that you might want to keep in mind, uh, which have been very generously outlined in a three-page guide to interviewing oh, nice. Will, I am. This surface from a Telegraph journalist, I believe, so it appears to be legit. Yeah. Now it should be said as well, by the way, that in that uh, same Telegraph article, he says that Will, I am later invited him to dinner. I was an incredibly chilled out guy, and when he was told about this sort of list of guidelines, he just responded with, you're shitting me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it always seemed that way, didn't it? It's got to be a PR thing that he oh, yeah. knows nothing about, because he does seem like the most relaxed guy, and he's not, he doesn't take himself too seriously, and it's just a totally detached, ridiculous thing. I wonder PR if there's people. a guide for how to have dinner with Will I Am. Maybe there is. Well, this certainly uh, is taking itself very seriously. Tips for maximising your interview time. With Will I Am. Okay, I'm ready. I'm in the zone. Let's do it. Your access to the future is for you alone. Now, it should be said, the future is the name of his office. It seems to be named the future only... Is it so an office can... or is it more of a compound? No, well, it's, <laughs> it's a building and uh, it seems to be named the future only so he can welcome people by saying, welcome to the, the future. future yeah. uh, that's, that's pretty good. But your access is for you alone. We regret that relatives, friends, interns and such cannot participate with you. Because, you know, there's nothing I like more than bringing my dad along to interview. <laughs> yeah, this was given to a Telegraph journalist, by the way. It wasn't just, like, some competition winner. <laughs> yeah, see, well, and that's exactly it. You see, it's a Telegraph journalist, so he should assume that he, and it's not capitalised, which is disappointing, but he will know exactly who you are and what you write about. No need to go into details about your outlet or personal background. He'll also know that you've seen a product demo prior to the interview. Well, hang on, that then, makes him like Will I Am as a robot. It, well, you know what? It well, actually, he has videos where gets, he's dressed like a robot, so maybe there's some, like, maybe he's a cyborg. It gets far worse. Questions Don't worry if he mal- malfunctions, you just have to say the set question and rejig him. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Checking the password is boom, boom, pow. Too. Questions uh, should be one sentence. It's my password to everything. questions. Refrain from editorialising. Do not ask him to react to what other outlets have written. If he asks you to repeat or restate a question, this indicates that you need to ask crisper, more direct questions. Malfunction, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. He's a robot. (laughs) You have to to start off with one or two warm-up questions and then get to the heart of what you really ask. Want to ask. Because he can sometimes give very lengthy responses, don't hold your most important questions until the end. 
And if you need to get short answers to questions, bundle them in a lightning round towards the end. Love an a lightning round. <laughs> it's quite exceptional. Christ. You got but, 10 seconds. Give me 17 questions. Yeah, but but again, I mean, like, it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about with Taylor Swift, doesn't it? About this idea that, like, you know, if it's a PR management exercise... You're going to have people, brand managers and PR execs and press officers and communications advisors and all that who are basically just falling over themselves to make these sort of arbitrary rules and silly guides. Well, they have to keep themselves employed. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Thing. That's it, exactly. And what's more, I think that's why you find artists embracing social media and shit like that because it's the only chance they have to step to out through those layers. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily true at all. I think that the, the type of artist that has this PR machine behind them doesn't give a flying fuck about what they come across as on Twitter. The The people that you're talking about, Will I Am, Taylor Swift, Swift, Kanye, you know, these people don't care. This is like, it's just the way that the machine works and that's what it is. So why is it so common? Like, why do they have to have an army? Is, is it really a case of they're just, they just surround themselves with yes-men? They, I, I really... You used to be used to be a multi-million uh, yeah, well, it's, rap selling artist. So you know you've lived a life. Tell us um, about it. It's you're control. not supposed to talk to him about that. I just want to say, if you actually you look at his guidelines, you're going to step in now. Are you, are you, are you? <laughs> well, actually, it is also specified that that you are not called Will. I am a rapper, but instead a hip hop artist. He's right. also an entrepreneur and a philanthropist. I think mm-hmm. just I do, to I, get I, it right, a bicyclist. He enjoys bicycling, but it is all about control, and that's the one thing that all of these individuals crave. It's control. Control the market. Control what they have to do. And away you go. Who let, who let Matt Bellamy into the studio, guys? <laughs> eh? Am I right? <laughs> drones to our drone off. <laughs> Capitalism. I think um, the drones circling the other night have had taken their effect. Yeah. So you reckon Will I Am on a night out, a couple of points, he's sound? Mm, yeah. Minus. He seems like a laugh. Bit of banter, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I it does know. seem kind of disappointing, like like to, to read some of that. Not surprising at all, but it is. It's nice to hear that there's a human side of it as well. But you know, yeah. already, the, the jury's still out. He might he be might a robot. Be robot. But also, robot. like he did have a long career before Black Eyed Peas even took off. So it's not like he's a totally out of touch guy. That's been. He's not a Justin Bieber. He doesn't seem to be that person. So I don't know. He, you know, he seemed to indicate he had no idea about these guidelines. Now, if he was, if they were put to him and he did know about them, you probably would go, "What? I didn't know anything yeah. about that." You having to go with the Biebs um, there, are you? <laughs> No, no, I'm not saying anything about just being. It right should be said that Will I Am is subject to uh, the favorite Chiron graphic that I've ever seen on television when he was uh, on a French TV show, and uh, his name was down as Will Just Sweet. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, Will I Am, he's an interesting character. But you know, is he as interesting as Johnny Burrell, for example? <laughs> Seamless. Uh, no one is Johnny Burrell. Yeah, he kind of went off on one earlier this week. Um, it, well, it, it was more of a... It was, it was an interview. Like it well, was yes, a, it was a structured off on yeah. one, I suppose. But basically, yeah, Noisy had him talk through, uh, I, I guess, the, the, the seven circles of indie hell, mm. if you will. <laughs> um, it, it broadly based around this idea of landfill indie. Now, I get, that's the first thing to talk about here. Do you buy the idea of landfill indie? Do you think it was really a thing? There's landfill music, though. I don't think it's confined to any one genre. Like, I mean, like we've had phrases like bargain bin before. Like, and of course, there are many artists out there who people try and make happen and it doesn't work. And there's lots of, and then of course you try and follow a pattern with stuff that does. So you, you know, uh, bands can spawn lesser successful clones of themselves. 
all the time because a record label is like, oh, just do that and then do it again and let's have another one yeah. of those. Given- Since the record label kind of model has existed, this has existed. It's existed back in the 60s with the Beatles and just rip off so that it's, you know, ever since then, Elvis, you know, go way back and this has been a thing. Because, of course, it's, it's just kind of natural that if something is successful, people will try and replicate it yeah, and just I mean, over and, and over again. I mean, let's, 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 let's never forget that the music business is the music business. Like, it is. Like, people have to make money and, like, fair enough, sometimes we're subjected to absolute horrible music, but you can also to kind of navigate your way around it as well. We know that quite well in this country from, I would say, kind of like about 15 years ago when anyone with an acoustic guitar and a couple of Nick Drake covers was part of that bizarre singer-songwriter wave. Yeah, the cardigan days. Yeah, yeah, but but of course, one of the things that happens there is that you have this idea of, oh, this is landfill shite, and so the good guys also get dragged down in that. Yeah, obviously. There were some quality artists in there, and... I think it's telling that like when Johnny Burrell starts talking about landfill indie, the first band he talks about is The Strokes. And now Craig's hackles have been raised. Well, I don't know. I feel like he's okay, starting you, it you, off you, by... You, do, you don't know, Craig? He follows it with The Libertines. Oh, oh okay. Well, before <laughs> before we get before we get to Libertines and Craig has an absolute nervous breakdown, <laughs> uh, let's just say, what, here's what Johnny had to say about The Strokes. He said, the first thing you ever heard about The Strokes was people actually writing about them. Then you saw the pictures. And only then you actually hear some music. It always felt like a package. They obviously looked really cool and photogenic, but every song was basically American Girl by Tom Petty with an overdriven vocal. Craig? Um, one of their songs sounds like American Girl with an overdriven vocal. Um, I, I disagree. Um, actually, no, to be fair, I agree with the statement that when the Strokes came out, people saw the pictures, they looked extremely cool, they had extremely cool names. You know, we were used to the cardigan types, um, the likes of Travis were riding high in the charts, and um, it was kind of nice to see some people, you know, in suits called stuff like Julian Casablancas and, you know, Albert Hammond Jr., after his, you know, famous dad. Yeah, he does um, make a good point, though, in terms of everyone heard about them before they heard them. Well, it should be said that, actually, like, I mean, maybe this is our generation. I didn't. Oh, really? Gran- okay. Well, granted, I mean, they came out when I was, what, 12, 13? So I was a little bit slower on the uptake. I'm going to show point, my age and say I was about 25 when they came out. <laughs> and I was working in a bar in England, and this was, like, the height of it. Um but yeah, I, I I actually kind of agree in in terms of you've you've heard about this. I, it was an almost an idea. The Strokes, they're this brand new thing that's going to revolutionize the world. And then you heard the music. And I, I've got nothing against The Strokes. How much? The Strokes. It was also a time when most of the time you saw the band or read about them before you actually heard the music. I mean, the internet did exist in 2001, but there wasn't your streaming sites and it wasn't just as easy to grab stuff, so you were still reading music magazines. Yeah, it was, it was copy, natural, I'm sure. It was a copy people, of Enemy and a copy of Q, and you'd be like, oh, they yeah. look interesting. So I'm sure most people, you know, heard about Travis first before hearing the actual songs, you know. So, so is it more reflective of the time that, like, for example, you say about The Strokes and, like, the kind of the build-up, it buys you a lot of cachet in that regard simply because you couldn't just hop onto YouTube and, and, and like Absolutely. get bored after a minute. Yeah, yeah. You catch sure. a snippet on like on like, you know, Kerrang TV or something and well, then... it, it's very much of its time, that type of thing. And like you talk about landfill Indian, you talk about the thing that comes straight to my mind is uh the seahorses. You know yeah. everyone kinda of goes, Well, there's no stone roses, so John Squire, let's fuck him in a band with some talentless <laughs> pricks and have one good song. And whether it's good is debatable, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Just on the, sorry, on the subject of, like, you know, like, it being of its time and things happening also with the strokes, I interviewed Luke Jenner from The Rapture um, a couple of years ago. Clang. Clang. I mean, not dropping a name there. 
And I was saying, oh, you know, when you guys came out, I remember reading Q and Enemy, and, and like it was all like, oh, it, it's the new Strokes. And he was like, yeah, we were the disco Strokes. He, he's like, that, that's what that's what we were called. And he, he basically said that, you know, because of the Strokes, the Rapture signed like a million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, he goes, no band, no band does that now. No, no band, that does not happen anymore. But also, it's fair to say that when the Strokes came out, there was no guarantee they were going to be a big thing. I mean, it's very lo-fi record. It was guitar music that wasn't popular whatsoever. We're kind of at the height of new metal and that just dreadful, dreadful stuff. So it wasn't like it was a really sure thing, game plan that was following some model that was previously working. So I think obviously then once it took off, you know, all bets were off. But mm. certainly with the strokes, I thought it was more of an organic thing than Johnny's perhaps given him credit for. Well, I think Similar- he's also saying, sorry, I think he's also saying that, you know, this led to Yeah, this is the a next starting point, story. yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I was about to say it's kind of similar with the Libertines though, where I think it was quite organic in that sense yeah. as well. Well, the Libertines were like a skiffle band. <laughs> They've been going since about 19, 97 and they were kind of very suited and booted looked very old style um, and they've said themselves essentially once the strokes came out were signed to rough trade and told just to play faster and wear leather jackets so that's what they did but they actually had the songs good to go they just slightly tailored the look to be the kind of British strokes so yeah that was a cynical move in fairness Johnny says they were totally unbeatable in those early shows or especially the first 20 minutes of those early shows before the <laughs> coke wore off uh, the Libertines were a Johnny massive- former member of the Libertines <laughs> who was kicked out by the way but anyway he also says the Libertines were a massive coke band and very very actively encouraged in that by their A&R now, one usually thinks of Coke bands as totally overblown pomp, right? So a band like the Libertines back in the day would have been a speed band. The history of recent British music could have been very different if Pete and Carl had gotten into amphetamines instead of Gak Craig. That sounds like a stupid statement. I don't it's, know a very, it's a very stupid The history statement. of the... Okay, all right. Yeah. Do you think he's still a bitter? Anyway... Do you think uh, he's still a bitter? Yeah. And like, I like him in this because he shows self-awareness, but it's clearly, you know, this is his only option now. You know, the motorbike's gone. Uh, Kirsten Dunst is gone. The kind of, you know, live aid or whatever that was called is gone. So he now has to retract and say, well, I'm doing something different artistically and all those days are behind me. He's got no option. Yeah. I mean, there's also uh, self-deprecating stuff with Razor Light themselves, where he says, before I fall to pieces, he says, this is where we fucked it up for everyone. <laughs> I think you can kind of say that in 2006, at the start of this video, music was quite, quite an interesting place. Then three and a half minutes later, it's fucked. Then he says, well, I don't think this is Strictly Landfill. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> By the way, that seems like a terrible TV show. Strictly Landfill. Strictly Landfill. Yeah. As it came to be understood, it's a good pop song. It's got strong hooks and a drum beat lift. It's a terrible song. Off walk like an Egyptian by the Bangles. You see, like, here's the thing is that, yeah, I mean, like, is any of this stuff Strictly Landfill? Um, the Strokes was clearly something a bit different. Libertines was different. Razor Light, Johnny Burrell feels we're being different. Yeah, I mean, by the time you get to the next song and it's the kooks, you're very much into, yes, Landfill. Or certainly kind of reiterations of... There was a horrible period there in like the, that mid-noughties where it was like the, the kooks, the, the twang, yeah. Jack mm. Pinata. Uh, really awful. The Wombats. The Wombats. Yeah. The Jolene the Jing Jang Jong. Jolene and the Jing Jang Jong. It was the absolute worst because they never even released a song, I don't think. That was the... Yeah, he was, he was like he was an in actor. Pe- he was in he? Peep Show, yeah, yeah. And it just... They were signed And this was all... Er, and, and it was basically... Like, it was skins, it was Enemy, it was everywhere. It was, it was you know, bands like Enter Shikari. I know it's not indie, but they were kind of like... like it was just mm. this weird kind of... But we still got the others. Oh, the others. Jesus Amazing. Christ. Amazing. Best this, song ever? William. Best song ever? Yeah. It might be the best. By by the way, Get a Franco William. Okay, it's gone to a new level. 
going can I just say about Johnny Burrell though? What I find fascinating is how this guy is still getting any sort of press or anything like Be- because he's a rent a quote he's just he, like a re like he's he a is. really really third rate kind of Noel Gallagher type that will just say interesting things well what was so. absolutely incredible was uh, there, there's a quote and it's actually listed on his Wikipedia page where he says uh that he has trouble, you know, meeting with record companies now and lining up new projects. Because as soon as you mention Razorlight, the dollar signs appear in their eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the ones that they're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, like, their third album didn't chart. Yet he Slipway Fires. Was that still... what it was called? Slipway yes. Fires? I, I feel like that must have charted, no? No, probably were, not. Uh, the uh, second uh, album was huge. It was massive. Yeah, no, no, the second album was huge. Third album did not They even were on chart. Jonathan Ross. Jonathan Ross was crying after he played Wire to Wire, which that's is just that's a horse with gets. no name. Wire to Wire, that? Wire to Wire is on Slipway Fires. Yeah, that's it? what I'm saying. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. And it didn't chart? <laughs> a horse a... with no name? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the second album, Raise Light, I remember getting five star reviews everywhere. Uh, appalling. If America comes on, I will leave the room. I've yeah. left places. Yeah. America First record, oh, solid though. Some great songs. It should be said by the way. Some of all is great. Golden Touch somewhere else. Somewhere else is fucking awesome. As we go down this rabbit hole, uh, given last week and the whole hashtag indie amnesty thing that was going around, um, well, there seems to be some confessions flying out already. <laughs> what are the most regrettable things from that period for you guys? I never regret anything I've done. Remember when you were young. What are you, fucking ad for, you know, like, like I'm not going to be... Keeping a razor life, man. I'm not going to be the person I'm expected to be anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I actually did uh, put out a couple of tweets under the In The Amnesty hashtag. I, I said that Kaiser Chiefs have one brilliant song, maybe even two, and that led to lots of abuse on Twitter. The Galaxy said that they were going to block and report me. I think they should. I, I hope they haven't, because, <laughs> you know, they're good lads. Yeah. They have some um, good songs. I, I then walked outside into they're an immediate... They're none of the big songs, but yeah. yeah. I walked outside into an immediate hill... Hailstone Storm so I feel like you know the gods the gods you. were angry mm. uh, that one great Kaiser Chiefs song by the way Craig is I Dare You I Dare You it's amazing it's a great yeah, song they have a few other there right up there as but well but I wouldn't I be think. a fan I mean um, you like Modern Age as well didn't I think you? Modern Way is or a Modern really, Way, sorry, Way is yeah. a really good song it's uh, a good strokes bus. if it's right forward I did also mention that like I, I kind of said like oh I was going to originally cite the Subways that band the Subways and then someone I know kind of tagged them in and next thing you know the Subways were tweeting at me and <laughs> in a very cool self-deprecating way shout out to Billy from the subways he was like I said oh that would have been awkward and he was like oh he's like all love is awkward love Dave and then uh, we kind of had this back and forth where I was like oh you're just flirting with me now man get him on the pod and then he and then he said something like he goes oh it's been a problem of mine for 31 years and I said yeah you and me both brother so uh, it was quite a moment a it was quite a moment I'm still not moment. recovered from it um, but yeah what about you Colm seeing as you raised this you know what honestly I mean okay like I mean I have the same kind of standard ones as anyone where you know like you heard a song and you were at a festival and you end up kind of like wasting an afternoon watching bands like The Upper Room at Oxygen. Um, yeah. Yeah, one one that stands out in my head actually was uh, 17-year-old me, poor 17-year-old me, had uh, had never Peaked heard... 17, did you? No, had never heard of a guillemot, a bird. <laughs> uh, I presumed they were French and they were called the guillemots. <laughs> and, oh. and I remember judging somebody next to me at a festival who was like, you know, let's go see the guillemots. And I'm like... <laughs> Listen, was, it one, the, was, listen, it, was listen, it one of the rubber bandits? I was like, listen to that guy, what an idiot. And we went into the tent and Five Dangerfield came out and said, hello everybody, we are the Guillemots. What an I idiot. Just had to tur- I had to turn <laughs> to my friend and just be name. like, oh, yeah. Not oh, you friend. didn't clamber on stage not and be like, actually Five. <laughs> uh, Trains to Brazil is a lovely song. Yeah, right. no, they, they they weren't bad by any means. I think it was no, the, they weren't in that. It, 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 yeah, it was the pretentiousness of the French that uh, what gets that your was probably most. What gets your vote for Indie Amnesty? Uh, hard fi. Oh, 
ghetto. Had to base. That's a great yeah. show. Had to base. Yeah, I, I did <laughs> beat, beat, beat. Working for the cash machine. Yeah, like, again, I have to preface this by saying that I was living in England at the time and living for, for a weekend. For some reason, I was living for the weekend. <laughs> <There> you <laughs> stole my fucking thunder Damn, there. sorry. I apologize <laughs> profusely. I guess, yeah, if I, if I could make a, quite a blanket phrase, and I mean, like, we could be digging up the names of the bands for quite a while here, but basically, I guess, I watched Soccer AM when I was a teenager and I wasn't annoyed by the music. Yeah, yeah, that's very. There you yeah, go. That's, that, that's your yeah. indie amnesty in a nutshell. I think mine were just like two tight trousers and shopping in Top Man. That was probably and nothing still, has changed. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Still an issue. It's uh, loosened a bit. Uh, there was one only because you're still wearing them. <laughs> there was one moment of uh, there was one moment of genuine alarming and kind of brilliant insight from from Johnny in that piece though. He managed to point out that uh, Dakota by the Stereophonics, one of their big later era hits, kind of. Well, you could, if you ask me, that kind of that kind of gave them a, a, an extra bit of life. They were kind of on the way out, weren't they? Yeah, gave them a lot. Dakota, that was a massive. Yeah. That, as oh in, yeah, like, it was a terrible song. Yeah, it's crap. But yeah, but, yeah, but, 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 but Kelly but, Jones got a kind of quiff hairdo and stuck yeah, on a yeah, leather yeah, jacket. And it was, but it was yeah. a massive song, and it kind of like yes. gave them a bit of a rebirth. Yeah. Anyway, he, uh, he points out that Dakota by the Stereophonics and Sex and Fire by Kings of Leon. Has the exact same structure. Um, Twenty nine seconds in, the main vocals come in on both, and the chorus drops at fifty three seconds on the exact same uh, on each song. So uh, yeah, back to back, they sound a bit like this. songs as you heard there follow the exact same structure what gets your vote for the worst song of those two though i think uh, just because of the lyric you have to go sex on fire it's just so cringy but it's like it's it's a catchier song yeah you see that's it yeah it's a catchier song so actually i would give that one a pass and uh i would say dakota is the worst one the thing all, is, which came first I think they're Dakota, both 2008. I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I would put Dakota earlier, slightly earlier. Dakota than, might yeah, be Dakota might be Dakota might be 2005. Dakota yeah. might be a little bit early. But you know what? Here's the thing. I know that this is not rare or not all that rare for songs to kind of follow the same times and stuff yeah. like that. No, there was a huge thing of that in the kind of late 70s, early 80s, where the rage on radio was bedding a track, you know? So you bring it in and you talk over it. Mm. And so every track had a 17-second intro. Yeah. Nice. If you yeah. go through any of those, like, Foreigner, Boston, Chicago, REO, Speedwagon, all those songs, 17 seconds before uh, before the lyrics hit. And it, there's an art to that. I mean, if you can pull it off, these two songs maybe aren't the best examples, but this has just been going on forever, just kind of hit the chorus before a minute and all that kind of stuff. Well, speaking of longevity, we're going to go through our album review now, and it sounds a bit like this. They called us the pop kids, because we love the pop hits. 
Okay, that was uh, The Pop Kids by Pet Shop Boys off their 13th studio album entitled Super. And this is the album that we all decided to listen to this week. And I think Connor, who is shaking his head and looking... He's texting at this he's point. Texting, no, he's texting. No, We've lost him. switched off. Uh, no, that, I, think, I think you should kick this one off. That track is by far the highlight of the album. It starts off... Is it happiness? Happiness the first, is yeah, the first song. Happiness is the first er, song. Er, 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 and if you er, think it's yeah. bewitched, I'll tell me ma with a kind of a jig remix, then you've got it. Mm. And it doesn't get much better. It There's an Albanian Eurovision tune on there somewhere as well. <laughs> well, it gets a lot better, but that song is a real, real poor one. Um, and it is just, I mean, it's right up there with Happy by Pharrell in terms of the, everything's happy, but this is a terrible song that brings no joy to the world it's, whatsoever. It's just dire. Like, even the Pop Kids is a really, I mean, it's an awful, awful song in a way. The lyrics. <laughs> I know, like, Dave, you are a huge lyricist. And a big fan of good lyrics. Well, this uh, is, I'm not lyricist. Well, no, you, you are. <laughs> no, I don't but, write you know, lyrics. It is. I love lyrics, but it's just in his yeah. diary. Look, it's <laughs> awful. The lyrics are. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Dire. Quick round the horn. Yes. Quick, quick, quick round the horn. Where do we sound in Pet Shop Boys? I like the Pet Shop Boys. I like yeah, Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, I love them. I think they they were groundbreaking. Um, yeah. They've been successful f- for a pop act to do that, a British pop act, while also being quite subversive. True at all. I think they've sold something like over fifty million records. They've been going for thirty five years. It's pretty remarkable that we're still talking about them. You know, in a kind of they're still relevant when they're releasing a record, even if you don't particularly you know, like this particular one. When we're talking about the Pop Kids, it's second track in the album. Yeah, I, I agree. It's probably the album's high point. What's more, it was actually the song that almost made me give this album a bit of a pass because even if it is lyrically simple I thought there was a genuine sort of sentiment to it and you kind of got the romantic nostalgia that explained why so much of the album is just this sort of really derivative 90s back to the dance floor days sort of music. The thing is if you remove that song or if you just start the album from number number three Mm. you realise how weak everything else in it actually is. It's yeah. a very, very valid point. And if you remove the name on the title, The Pet Shop Boys, you, nobody would even listen to this. This would be a bad Klaus von Wunderlich elevator music. Well, if we're going to make comparisons, and uh, I've prepared a little something here. Oh, good. So have I. <laughs> have you? Yes. Because... Um, there's a song on it called Sad Robot World. Oh. Is it about, is oh. It about Will I Am? No, no, it is <laughs> one of the worst songs in a long time. It is. I'm sure you'll agree. It's truly awful. Uh, should we hear a bit of it? Let's. Let's hear a bit of it. Here's the thing. If you're a fan of Flight of the Concords, you'll remember the song Robots. 
And I'm going to give you a couple of lines and a couple of rhyming couplets. And you're going to have a choice whether you think it's Pet Shop Boys or Fly to the Concourse. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> right? So, here we go. First one, this is pretty easy. The humans are dead. The humans are dead. We used poisonous gases and we poisoned their asses. <laughs> I think that was written in New Zealand, wasn't it? Yeah. That is Flight of the Concords. There's no sleep, no food, no pay. Doing as commanded 24 hours a day. It's our boys. That's Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> pet shop boys. <laughs> that is the Pet Shop Boys, actually, yeah. It's cringy. I mean, we're talking about sex on fire, but yeah. Where you ponder leisure, created for your pleasure... Machinery is sighing. I thought I heard one crying. Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. Incredibly it is. Their system of oppression. What did it lead to? Global robot depression. Robots ruled by people. Pet Shop Boys. No, that's why no. the concourse. <laughs> but, but, it, but it followed the other ones so, so seamlessly. Yeah, exactly. That is the problem. This song could have been written by a comedy musical act. Absolutely. And, you know, musically, where I was going with this was, do you remember ATB, 9pm till I come? Of course. Yes. Who doesn't? Yeah. There, there are a couple of tracks on this album that sound remarkably similar. Like Darude. Sandstorm. Sandstorm is Belter. another one. Belter. That is a highlight of Alice the DJ Petro. in there? I'm, I'm almost sure there are bits of it in there, you know. Like, I ended up listening to classic dance anthems and top 40 rave anthems to try and get comparisons See, here. And this is I, me making your life better. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I had to go back and re-listen to the Pet Shop Boys back catalogue to make sure I wasn't high and that the Pet Shop Boys are actually good. <laughs> <laughs> this album's been getting some very good reviews. It, it has, and I think there's strong songs on it. Uh, the Dictator Decides is a particularly good one. Uh, it's kind of like... I don't know, a follow-up to First We Take Manhattan, where it's just, you know, it's quite wry. Inner Sanctum is great. Inner Sanctum is great. There's some gorgeous passages on it. Um, It does sound quite dated. The whole thinking with this was their last record, Electric, which I thought was fantastic as well. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Not to cut you off, but one thing I want to say real quick is that I feel like this album is very much in the shadow of that record. Oh yeah, huge. maybe that's not fair, but well, I kinda... it was it was built to be an extension of that same kind I of feel like Electric just tears over yeah. this record. And like for, like for the first time you heard Electric, you were like, "Oh, Jesus, they've they've really found something here again." Thursday in particular is just one of the Thursday, best songs that I hear. Uh, with example being amazing. Vocal is a terrific song. Yeah. And uh, one of the problems you see is that like not only does the last record tear over, but obviously the career of the Pet Shop Boys is so monstrous and the problem is that this record is so self-referential like it keeps going back to the history of the Pet Shop Boys and the history of their careers and stuff like that which only serves in my mind to kind of like draw the comparison even closer and ultimately to make this record look even weaker than perhaps it actually is one review I saw I referred to this as a love letter to themselves and I think that's pretty fair that is I think somebody a little less (laughs) somebody a little less polite described as Craig as Wanking in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't. I'm not as harsh on this as you guys. I think there's strong songs on it. No, me um, neither. I, I, I think it's a. I think it's. I, I think it's good, but I do think that it's a bit too. It's a bit too almost like it's ah, a bit too too. It's a bit too it's much. Like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's what it, they were going for, but that's not what we needed. But again, it, what you expect from a, a you know the Pet Shop Boys is possibly or what we all expect from the Pet Shop Boys is possibly something that we shouldn't because of the longevity of their career that they're looking for and striving for something that is more of a concept 
And what we're looking for is another great album, yeah. which is not necessarily going fix. to happen. It's true, but I'm not even sure what they were particularly looking for with this album. Because it's just, it's so derivative and it's so locked towards a certain time that I'm really not sure, you know, yeah. even, even if it had been like a great success in their own minds, what that success would actually have constituted, I don't know. Well, Electric was a huge success. I think it was their highest charting album, selling album in some time. Put them back on yeah, after Elysium, which was Elysium just kind of these, yeah. they've done the kind of glacial soundscapes and yeah. pushing the sound forward. Nobody really was digging it. They said, you yeah. know, people thought it was boring, so they kind of, oh shit, we have to go back to our kind of roots. Did that with a plum, and they just taken it too far. But the weird thing here is, like, I mean, like those two records that we just mentioned, there came within twelve months of each other. This is three years on, so yeah. they've had, it's, not, it's not like they they're, they're like, oh, better just put out an album. Like they clearly have taken time on this one, and I think, yeah, you said you said this yesterday. You're like, they've gone too far, and then immediately like a block up, they've gone too far. <laughs> but they have, they've kind of gone too far. It's very. It's very self-indulgent. It is, but you know what? Here's the thing as well, that in a couple of months' time when this is no longer, you know, like the new Pet Shop Boys album, they're going to be playing live. One or two of these songs will be dropped into a set that's already filled with hits. Yeah. yeah. It's obviously... And they will be brilliant. And yeah. Exactly, and it's got that sort of dance yeah. floor appeal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, if this was just a, a kind of a measure to to boost their catalogue ever so slightly for the yeah, sake of Yeah, it's like, on record, yeah. I was thinking that it really is the kind of record where, you know, people will be sitting in their tasteful front room going, this would sound great in a club. You know, I just... <laughs> but again, <laughs> like, tasteful like, front room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I it's just, like I, kind I, of just relaxing I with some herbal like, tea going, these are great bangers. Like That's <laughs> quite possibly it, yeah. it's, it's club music for people who are no longer going to Go clubs. Clubbing, I, yeah. Again, I think it comes back to what you expect. What I don't know what you guys thought of Music Complete, uh, New Order's album last year. Decent, yeah. See, I thought I thought it was really good. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it, and it was what I wanted from New Order. Whereas with this, it's not what I want from the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> so, what do you want from the Pet Shop Boys? I, list your demands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want. It's a sin. West End. Girl. I want some of the best songs of the eighties <laughs> now. <laughs> Over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In terms of actually what we did like this. Well, week, actually, then. before we go, real quick, uh, ten. Oh, sorry. Uh, God, I got four. Ooh, mm. Connor. Yeah, I'm gonna go with three. Actually, oh, Jesus, Craig. I'd be a strong six. Week seven. It's a six from me. All right. Well, what gets higher than those rankings? Then, what have you been listening to in the past week? And Craig, we'll start with you. Uh, I've been listening to something that would get a lower ranking and I've been trying really, really hard to enjoy it and it's just not happening. It's Slash Shadow Puppets. <sighs> uh, your boy, your boy Miles Kane. You know, here's boy, the thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I've listened to the record myself and yeah, you think it's weaker? Oh, certainly, yeah. yeah. Do you not think so? Um, in terms of the arrangements, it's gorgeous. Own Palette's doing his work again and it's sumptuous to listen to in parts but then you just have this layer just all over it. Um... It's kind of miles away. Hey. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, that From was Craig the Party. He will no longer be appearing on this podcast. <laughs> no, I'll explain more. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> this show has taken a horrible turner. Oh, oh Jesus Christ! Oh, Ain't we doing that, man? So we're eight yeah. years on from the debut, and everything's changed, guys. Yeah. <laughs> they're more successful. They're jaded. They're having sex with lots of women. They want you to know about it, <laughs> and it's pretty horrendous. Although some of the songwriting is strong, and I'd imagine those are the ones that Alex Turner wrote. <laughs> yeah. well, interesting take, Craig. Uh, Connor, what yeah. have you been listening to this week? <laughs> the exact same. Album. <laughs> and what did you make of it? I really like it. <laughs> I mean. 
I, I know it's got. A, I think it was one of the singles actually. Aviation. Aviation's the opener, and it's 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 a very good. Of it's a, a song. yeah. It's a real strong it's opener. A really good. Song. Uh, I do agree. The album as a whole is a little on the weak side, but there are more than you know. There are more than enough songs on there for me to give it maybe a seven or an eight. Okay, okay. Um, Born Identity is great, which is kind of wraps things. Oh, that's not one of your favorites, huh? No. Oh Jesus! Okay, but all right. We seem to have completely. I, I feel like we're coming from. I'm thinking of it lyrically. Uh, that seems oh, okay. so much more kind yeah. of. Yeah. You know. Well, I I'm more in the uh, in in the Bono end of things here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm if, more in the Bono end. If, of if your if your choruses are good, then you're all right. All right. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I hear um, you. I th- I think musically, I I like it. Yeah, um, I, I like the album musically as well. I must say, it's not my pick of the week. But I think in terms of the arrangements, it's not something that other bands are uh, doing if, very well. You know what? I think it'll gig very well. Yeah, I'd say so. They'll be good live. Um, They're doing three nights. The debut, three they nights. are doing yeah. three nights. I mean, the debut had such great kind of nods to the likes of Scott Walker. And I think this veers more towards being straight rock songs that just have this great backing. That's nearly could be divorced from it. It's yeah. kind of like Lad's Night at the Opera House. You know, it's a bit. <laughs> well, Miles is all over it in some points. Yeah. And you kind of go. And maybe tone it down a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, maybe, maybe it's just them that I think have, they've changed. Certainly Alex Turner has become this weird kind of cartoonish rock star that's dismissive of everything. What's with, the, what's with the jogging suits in the promo photos? I don't know. It's, it's not doing they anything for me. They look fantastic. <laughs> they look like they're a cult now. I love that. I think it look, they look like sort of like strange 70s gangsters or something. Actually, the video for Aviation is very good. Well, they've if got they've got the money. Them. Alex Turner's got the money, and yeah. I mean, it's like so they might as well have good production value. It, like, it's meant to be this kind of arty concept. It's not for me, to be honest. With you. Like, like, yeah, it's I kind of see it as some kind of vanity project, and I'm not really into that kind of thing. It is. It's too self-referential, um, and not in a kind of nice way, like the pet, lovely pet shop, the boys. lovely <laughs> pet shop boys, uh, good lads. The album that I've enjoyed this week uh, is in itself quite self-referential, but in a good way. Like it carries it off, and it's the new Frightened Rabbit album. Um, I'm a huge fan of those guys, actually. Great band, and too. have been for years. Say it in um, a Scottish accent. <laughs> Don't. Don't. <laughs> no, no, um, but yeah, so Scott Hodgson. He was about to go for it. He was <laughs> about to go for it. <laughs> Scott Hodgson has moved to LA. You got a good Scottish accent, on you, man. It's basically yeah. I mean, like a lot of the the heartbreak, as it were, that was there uh, is now gone. The relationship seems to be going altogether well for him, and uh, yeah, you would think. That that would change a lot of what Frightened Rabbit are about. It still maintained that sort of honesty, that sort of humour, etc. Granted, without the sort of stripped down, delicate, you know, one voice and a guitar sort of thing that they did occasionally. Um, very enjoyable album. Stay next week, and uh, yeah, well worth a listen. Cool, check it out. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I've got like it's kind of weird because I've got one that I really, really like, and I've got one that I was massively crestfallen by. And, I mean, we might kind of review either of them properly further in in more detail next week when we've all had the chance to listen, but I think for the meantime, I guess... It's kind of one of those things where should I start with? Are you the about one? to cry? <laughs> <laughs> should I, okay, should I start with the one uh, like like that 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 really kind of disappointed me, or should I be like, this is what I like this week? I don't know. What would be what, the, what uh, you like? Tell us what you like. What would be the best thing to do? Um, okay, what I liked this week was Let the Dead Bury the Dead by Roos and Gano family. Uh, that is out now. And they are, an, like, I mean, like, there's a lot of press about them. A lot of kind of people are saying, like, 
possibly the best group in Ireland right now, and that's obviously high praise indeed, but this is a terrific record. Uh, like I say, I don't want to say too much about it, because I mean, there's every possibility that we're going to probably talk about it more in depth next week, but uh, it, it's a striking, striking debut from a band, or from a group rather, that, that have kind of formed quite quickly from the ashes of a different, obviously God knows, and my name is John. Yeah, terrific. Around, and, yeah. They've kind of added uh, Merle to the group. It's excellent stuff. I mean, like uh, a review on, on Heads of Music at the moment by Joshua Hughes kind of sums it up probably better than I can right now because, uh, like, it's it's very very fresh. I want to kind of give it some more time, and I feel overall it's you know it's an album that everyone should listen to. But I'm obviously I'm a bit more animated right now because I'm a bit more concerned about the album that kind of basically kind of broke my heart this week, guys. Uh, and again, we <laughs> might talk about this more in depth. But M eighty three, M eighty three. Say it ain't so. <sighs> okay. This is tough. It hurt. It hurt to write the review that I wrote. I my review of M eighty three's new album. It's called Junk. Uh, the review is on Drowned in Sound right now. Uh, I'm I'm gutted, guys. I, is I, it is it junk? It is junk. <laughs> and like, let's put this into perspective here and be really pretentious for a second. I'm a gigantic M eighty three fan. Like, I possibly my favorite musician up there with Nine Inch Nails up there with Kanye, and like. We don't talk about Kanye. I, I, on this I was. We don't. We, yeah, we, we we don't talk about Kanye West in this podcast anymore. Kanye. But I was waiting for this record to drop. Uh, counting the days. I love every single thing that Anthony Gonzalez has done. But this, it's just no good. And like he's, he did a lot of interview. He did an interview with Pitchfork in the run up to the release, in which he said that all mainstream music makes him want to puke. And you know, like, like kids these days, like, like it was very old man shouts at cloud, and I was kind of like, oh man, I was like, this is kind of grim. But his main main bone of contention was that he's like, no one respects the album anymore as an as an art form. Uh, hence, it's called junk because people kind of pick and choose, and they're going to just pick the two best songs anyway. He strikes me as someone who's quite annoyed that Midnight City broke out the way that it did in 2011, and I can see where he's coming from. I mean, like M83 was kind of never meant to be this gigantic worldwide thing. It was meant to be this. Get over it, mate. Yeah, I know. Of course, like it propelled him onto a massive stage, and I guess the lead single off Junk, Do It, Try It, which came out, everyone was like scratching their heads because it's a mess. And, you know, so he clearly was very much like, I'm not doing Midnight City 2, don't expect that. The record as as a whole is steeped in the 80s nostalgia that he loves so much, but it's pretty much just that. There are highlights, it's not absolutely terrible or anything, but I hold M83 to a very, very high standard. And, like, he is responsible along and on the early records alongside Nicholas Fromageau, who's no longer there anymore, responsible for some of my favourite songs uh, and, like, some of the best music I've ever heard, some of the most emotive music I've ever heard. This record has none of this. And even, like, this spectacular kind of surface-level pop is absent as well. Uh, I'm gutted. I'm absolutely gutted. Gutted, mate. <laughs> absolutely gutted. He, he is quite emotional about this. And, uh, yeah, we will all be giving it a spin in the next couple of days. and uh, Do we have yeah. to? Well, <laughs> well I'll probably love it. Figured, is there any chance, I, I, I mean, after being reviews? For support for Dave, I think it's the least we can do. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we'll probably revisit it next week yeah. and uh, give give the full lowdown then. Well, before we go, first of all, Connor, thank you so much for coming in. You're very welcome. Hey. Thanks for having hey. me. Ow! We will have you back, I hope. Oh, I would hope so. Excellent, excellent. Well, before we go, and before we have our exit music for the week, which is coming right up, don't miss that. Don't miss that, listener. A uh, couple of things I want to say. First of all, was that uh, I was having a conversation at the start of the week with a friend of mine, and I was saying, oh, you know, like, they're like, who do you want to get on the podcast? And I was like, well, look, we've got Connor Irwin. Huh, like, obviously. where do you go from there? And I said, so we won't have a podcast next week. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> the last episode. And I was saying, you know... I'd really, really like to get Bosco on. I was like, that's my mission. That'd be the greatest thing of all time. Imagine having Bosco on the podcast. And of course, my friend was like, okay, you're, you're fucking deranged. What are you talking about? And I was like, think about it. It'd be amazing. And of course, the very, very next day, 
on the Heads to Podcast Network, the fascinated podcast with Garrod Farrelly. His guest is only Bosco. Hey. Is Bosco a real thing? The voice of Bosco. Oh, okay. You've been tapped. <laughs> uh, so everyone go and listen to that episode uh, begrudgingly. By the way, Bosco, boy or a girl? Well, voiced by a lady. Okay. All right. That's so, interesting. Let me pull them back the curtain there, but... All questions will be answered in that. Ex- in that, uh, to be fair, it's an excellent episode. But you know, listen, Farrelly, I'm not happy with you, mate. That was that was my thing, and now it's gone. It's been taken away from me. Podcast wars. I'm starting other beef. And you know, I hope this podcast is never taken away from me. And that's why, uh, listener, you can help. <laughs> the us men out. are coming right now. <laughs> uh, listener, you can help us out if you like this podcast. If you like that podcast. If you like what Headstuff is doing across all of its sections, uh, please consider donating to our Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com forward slash Headstuff. Throw us some money. We won't go out and get drunk on it and talk about Bosco. We will put it to good use in getting people like Connor Irwin because Connor Irwin has an exorbitant fee. I mean, like, like this is the one thing really he doesn't want to go into it in this interview. You can speak to my agent. The one thing I haven't talked about is like that he's really, really done a number on us for this episode. So you know, (laughs) to get some of that sweet, sweet cash back. Uh, please consider donating, and thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Subscribe, rate and review on iTunes, that kind of thing is all kinds of important. Uh, all the love in the world. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And to play us out this week, Craig Fitzpatrick's nomination for the new National Anthem of Ireland, it's Girl Band with the cha-cha-cha. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just two fifty. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.